Hi, I'm Adrian Tan, and this is my podcast where I deep dive into matters surrounding HR tech and the future of work. I was a former HR serial entrepreneur and write extensively about the future of work on my blog. You may know me better through the Singapore HR tech market map that I created in 2017. In this podcast, I speak with the people who are enabling the future of work. From mindfulness coach to employee engagement platform, they are all helping companies to better navigate rising work and business demands. I'm hoping that sharing in this podcast will help you better prepare yourself and your business for what the future of work may bring. CY is a depreneur and an optimist with underlying belief in the law of attraction. Fueled by his passion about HR innovation, he decided to take a leap of faith to leave the corporate world and co-founded TalentX.ai. TalentX AI designs AI machine learning product for the HR community and they are on a mission to transform the traditional ways of managing people matters. Their flagship product is a one-of-a-kind AI-powered job offer management platform to minimize uncertainty in transacting a tech job for both employer and candidate. Before TalentX AI, CY had both consulting expertise and in-house experience in total rewards, people analytics and HRIS on a global scale. Hello, CY. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Hello, Adrian. Yes, thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. So, CY, tell us more about this thing called CMB or compensation and benefit. Obviously, it is quite self-explanatory, but for people who may not be familiar, uh, you're an expert in this space. And what exactly do you do in your previous role as well as current in managing this aspect? So, most people have described coin and as tangible and mandatory items, including base salary, bonus, dental, etc. However, it has evolved over the past few years to total rewards. That also includes other intangible non-monetary rewards, including re- recognition, well-being, work-life and workplace flexibility, as well as the development. And many people were debating about whether coin brand is an ask or size. As I was trained in mathematics, people thought I was like naturally gifted in coin band because of that. But I bet to be default because I think it's coin band is not a pure size, but a pseudo size rather. Uh, you know, one of the founder of a company we over CY, remember coin band is not a rocket size and we should not treat everyone the same. Meaning to say there's also no one fixed set of rule to, or rather to achieve a single set of algorithm which work across different companies. And it's interesting to note that there are introduction of many other non-monetary rewards which are being taken into consideration as part of this common band thing. So what are some of the common trends that you're seeing right now compared to when you first started your career in common band? What are the key contrasts and key differences? Okay, so when I started my employment career in a compensation and benefit consulting firm, Mercer, so many people are talking about position evaluation and benchmarking away over the past few years. And it become a recent trend that more companies are looking at and will be looking at the personalization. So instead of, you know, the traditionally position-based, which a company uh, decided how to pay for a specific position, some companies have even completely dropped the ideas of having a job description and rather do, you know, their rewards, coin and ban for different profile of employees. And, and how would that work? Because if you don't have a job description to begin with, wouldn't that make hiring very difficult? And 
why even omit that out to begin with? Because it does not seem to play much of a value in how you come up with your comment ban. Yep. So again, is uh back to the question about that is the governance or versus flexibility and agility in compensation and benefits. And while there is a benefits or having certain structure, and now uh company are talking more about the agile methodology in coin ban. So like for example, the analogy could be that my mother-in-law cooking a dinner for my family and when I come back home with an empty stomach and I, I will always ask if the dinner is ready and his usual reply is, you know, there's a last dish to be served. And to instead of waiting for all dishes to be ready served, right, what agile methodology means is whatever that have is ready to be served and we need to serve it first. So uh, we can start eating while waiting for other foods. I see. And so it's something like a restaurant concept. Lah, yeah, it's something like a restaurant. So from an individual perspective, you don't have to wait for the food to come and, you know, just everyone sitting around the table asking, banging their utensils, why are we waiting? But of course, from a family uh, bonding <laughs> perspective, that might be another thing altogether. There's also another, another evolution of common band, which I understand from you, that, that, that which is to pay for skills and output instead of position and input. I, I hope you can elaborate more on that. What do you mean by input and output? And what do you mean by skills versus position? Yeah, so this again, back to the question you're asking about, you know, the ideas of dropping the job description. While there is... As, as in the past, the tradition CMB that we always, you know, based on the position, then we pack to certain value or based on certain inputs. So like, for example, qualification and number of years of experience of this candidate or this employee have, then you will pack to certain value in the compensation part. But whereas to in future, I envision that more and more companies will trying to uh, figure out a way to pay for the skills. So based on the relevant skills they have, as well as the output they can produce. So like, for example, output could be, it's rather straightforward for sales position, whereby we, we pay certain commission or incentive based on, you know, the dollar of value or the sales they bring to the company is how we pay for the output for non-quantitative, the qualitative output is something that is still in the pipeline to figure out by many coin bank professionals. Which I guess um, is something we are seeing over the past year as many people are forced to work from home. And because of that, the traditional way or the previous decade of management doesn't really help. That means you cannot monitor people based on time in, time out and all that. And you really have to defer to the kind of output that they have. And of course, with this growing trend, people also start to agree, why do I need someone with a master degree or a PhD just to do that set of work? when anyone who has the capability or portfolio to prove that they're able to do that set of work is able to do so. And then, of course, from there, you pay accordingly. Right. La. right. Exactly. And when it comes to common ban or compensation and benefit, we are, of course, speaking in terms of Singapore landscape. In Singapore, there are many, many SME or small, medium enterprise as what is being defined. And these are, of course, companies with less than 100 mil or headcount less than 200. When it comes to comp and ban, would there be certain differentiation between how an SME would do it versus an MNC, given the kind of resources as well as the size and the structure of the organization? 
For sure, yeah. So by virtual definition, just now you have briefly highlighted. So definition of SME is sales less than 100 million, which means that uh, they have limited financial resources. But on the other hand, their headcount is less than 200, which means they, they couldn't do any uh, certain coin and ban initiative without the economy of scale, which would be very costly. So they can't have uh, fancy perks like what MNC or Tech Giant provided, like for example, Wiggy Buffet at office or free flow beer provided at the office. But on the flip side, SME, you know, they can better leverage on the beauty of the smaller workforce by considering the personalized CMB, personalized coin band. For example, I ever spoke with one of the restaurant owners and I was wondering how he keep his employees for many years without you know, any serious attrition issue. And what he told me is that he basically speak with each of his employee to empathize their needs and preference so that he can maximize the employee perceived value given his limited amount of budget. So SME, they can do this kind of personalization, but whereas, you know, in MNC, it's very difficult to do that because there are stricter level of governance, there are more headcounts, and as such, there is less flexibility in adjusting some combined practices to be responsive to market dynamics. So even without the deep pocket of an MNC, SME can still look into different ways of tackling compensation and benefit. And from what I'm hearing from you, it's because they're smaller, they can take a high-touch approach, going deeper to find out each and every employee exactly what they want. And then, of course, you tailor accordingly. I've shared this with someone else during a separate discussion where my ex-colleague, she was pregnant for the first time and she gave birth to a kid and she subsequently felt that, oh, I want to have four days work week. So Saturday, sorry, Wednesday, I will want to be, I do not want to work. And because the company is small, they currently only have 35 people. So uh, they are able to give in to their request. I would imagine on the flip side, if you're a bigger company, the HR department will be like, oh, if I give you Wednesday off, everyone come to me Wednesday off, then I have a problem. So, so I think that is the kind of flexibility that SME would have and it's something that is unique or an unfair advantage lah, when it comes to compensation. Yes, correct. Benefit. It's an unfair advantage at the bright side. Yep. So the company that you co-founded, TalentX.ai, is actually in this space. Now, offer management, I, I think maybe for the benefit of the audience, perhaps also for myself, could you help us to elaborate a bit more about offer management? What exactly is this? And then we can touch about why you jump into this specific space. Sure. So imagine in any kind of transaction, commercial transaction, there is a difficult process flow, including, you know, how you search the product you want to purchase and do you do a comparison and then eventually come to a decision by making an offer to purchase, right? So give you an example, like let's HGB or property transaction in Singapore that is, you know, close to our hugs. So what typical process is, you know, home buyer, they shortlisting for the areas of houses based on their budget. So they have a choice maybe of 20 and then based on this 20, they shut down to maybe 10 and they do a comparison which one is their ideal house and then they will make an offer, right, at the final stage to their top choice based on the past, let's say, six-month resale transactions published by, you know, HGB or UI. To be specific, now we back to the what what is the job offer management. So when there is a job posting of a software engineer position, for example, the recruitment thing of the company will post a job on portals such as you know, linking Job Street to search for candidates. 
And then based on the candidate, the CV they receive, they will assess it and interview for further assessment to get their hiring manager to give input. And then they come to a final stage, the last mile, by making offer to their ideal candidate. And they are really hoping, you know, to convert their candidate into their employee. The get in other job offer management systems that it typically call like uh, applicant tracking system is that they focus very much on searching assessment, whereas offer management is often being neglected. And why we found talentx.ai is coming from our in-house experience working as a call and band internet team. We find that most company call and band are working pretty silo in the organization. I definitely can relate to your last mile kind of uh, description. So essentially playing a ninja van or Janio Asia kind of role to help bring your product from the port to the buyer. But of course, we are talking about hiring someone here. But my understanding when it comes to offer management, because I've been in recruitment for some time or was in recruitment for some time, of course, the, the tough part will be screening, interviewing. But once you get the candidate or the applicant to accept in principle, most of the time from that onwards is quite smooth sailing with, of course, exception to counter offer, which I guess is quite hard to control. So I guess any one of us can imagine how it would be like in a typical setting. Could you walk us through with talentx.ai coming into the picture? How would that workflow or the process flow be changed or, or how different would it be? There's a uncertainty in, in the offer management stage whereby first employers do not have access for the latest job offer translated in the market, which are typically best refer best reflect the latest job market dynamics. And second is the candidates do not have, you know, access to the fair salary level of based on the kind of skill sets they have at a specific type of market dynamics. So it's important for employers to make offer not only attractive to the candidates, but also cost reasonably to the companies. So to bring a gap and you will be able to remove the friction in the offer stage to a certain extent. And as a result to to optimize the time spent in the hiring process, especially for tech talent. So in my, if I'm interpreting this correctly, so from the employer's end, they would have access to market data based on past transaction. So similar to, again, your HDB analogy, you know, when I, yep. whether I'm selling or buying, whether I'm making an offer or considering an offer to accept, uh, I would look at past trend. Uh, of course, also taking into consideration what the valuer will tell me. But as a buyer, uh, you may quote 2.5 million for your condo. But I look at past trend, hey, last transaction was only 2.3. I wouldn't be so stupid to go for 2.5. So likewise, to take that into consideration to help a company be closer to coming up with the right value so that the entire transaction can, can close. Which I guess it makes a lot of sense because you, when after spending, what, three months, six rounds, seven rounds. By the way, one of my cousins just joined a, a quant trading software company. He went through nine rounds over six months or five months. And I would imagine how painful it would be if that 
thing did not close because both sides would have wasted so much time. So the way your platform comes into play is to help the company make the right decision. But you also mentioned earlier on that the candidate may also not have information related to what is the right amount. So does your system also has a B2C angle to help candidate know where they stand or it is just more on the employer side? Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, you are managed to touch base on one of the citing features that we pivot our business to be a two-sided offer management platform, you know, to better minimize the uncertainty in transacting a job for, for not only for employer, but also candidates. So we have a funnel for candidates to assess what will be the right and fair salary level based on the skill sets, based on their profile, based on their location and other set of variables that they provided to us. And from there, we match them our AI robot will match them to what will be the relevant potential employer up there. You mentioned earlier in the conversation right now is very much specific to technology. Are there plans to open up to other roles, other industries? For now, we decided to, to be more focused on tech position. That, that, that is our positioning and, and unique selling point to the market. That it will be our differentiating factor for now. And since when it comes to offer management, not everything would center around comment band, although a huge chunk would be. And given your experience in this space so far, are there any tips or advice you can provide to companies out there, be, they, be, be it SME or MNC or even NGO? What are some of the better offer management practices and maybe to make it interesting, some of the lousy one or crazy one that you have seen out there, which obviously doesn't work so that people can avoid going through the same pitfall. Yep. So I, I think one, one of the trends that I observe if, and I, in fact, I envision is that more and more companies will make a job offer without looking at the current pay of the candidates, you know, rather they look at, you know, what will be the value of this candidate based on this candidate skill sets and you and know, the last drawn uh, the last drawn thing that yeah. people are always so, forced to so rather than look at the last drawn they look at what will be the value of this candidate to the companies and make an offer based on that and back to your question whether uh company are looking at simply the compensation and benefits our platform not only look at that but also look at some other parameters such as employer branding such as career learning opportunities and the workplace specificity, so and so forth, some soft element. So that over the time with our platform, companies are able to draw some insights to look at their past few offers, what would be their, typically what would be their deal breaker reason and what would be their unique value proposition as compared to the market so that in future when they do the pitching to the candidate, they are able to provide some evidence-based response. And on the flip side, when they initiate certain improved initiative to their management, they are able to provide some data back uh, proposal that is back from the inside as well. So I'd like to touch on your previous comment, Ben, brain right now, because sure. some of my audience here may be SME and SME may not be the kind of companies that will be willing to pay a six digit to a big name consultancy firm just to do a salary benchmarking exercise. But still, on a regular basis, maybe an annual basis, they still have to go through some benchmarking, some pay scale just to understand whether they are paying on par and where needs to 
make adjustment. Given your expertise in this space for a company who is new out there looking to do this, be it a startup or SME, uh, what are some of the you know first few steps that they should embark on or to look into as part of this exercise so that they can just get their feet wet to understand how they should conduct a common band review? Yep, very good question. So in fact, why we are coming out to profile to co-file talentx.ai because we believe that in CoinBan, there are a lot of things to be disrupted. You know, in, in a market, typically we have a lot of asymmetric information and with overcharging fee, like you mentioned, six-digit consulting fee. It's where a sector that, you know, have a lot of potential to be disrupted. And back to question, what would be the typical CoinBan review without a budget to engage consulting firm? Generally, they, they, there is not so much a concern because as an SME, as a startup, even you engage consulting firm, they, they probably won't be, to be really honest, they probably won't be able to give They you, probably will turn you down. La. They won't even bother talking yeah, to you. Yeah, turn you down or even you are able to give the money, they're probably providing some solution that is relevant to MNC but not yours. So what you can do as an SME, as a startup is very much depends, you know, you need to do a assessment whether there's a really a problem and whether there's a needs to the for the review you know rather than do it as an annual routine to to embark on certain review or the benefits for example or whether the compensation level is on par so what you can do is do internal diagnosis right to engage on certain employee power survey management power survey or look at Glassdoor and look at some other source like employee feedback from the ground right talk to your your other colleagues that have typical the the influencer you know, quote unquote in the organization and you can also do some external diagnosis whereby uh you based on your desktop research and based on the candidate inputs from your you know for your offer management stage as well as well as some as interview from from employees left your organization to join another company so there are a lot of a lot of insights that can be retrieved and typically there are no costs involved. And after you have done all these things, what you need to do is to do the solution design that is not drawing, not simply drawing a market practice reference, but also do some work, do the stakeholder interview and brainstorming to come up with what would be the best practice to your company, you know, and come up with the cost and benefit analysis. So there is always a best practice for your company, but there is no a best one-size-fits-all combined practice for all organizations. And of course, since we're in Singapore, we do get a lot of guidance as well as recommendations from government. And since you mentioned about best practices, one of the more recent ones would be a guideline from the National Wage Council or NWC for short, which basically talks about MVC. So maybe I will leave it to you to elaborate. What is MVC and what how does it differ from AVC and how can company actually implement them? And from your opinion, does it even make sense to begin with? Okay, very good question. So actually, I, I'm sort of within of this MVC in the past. Ever, I don't know any, but ever in my previous organization, when I received a contract, I look at the salary or oh, there's an MVC component, right? So 10% of my salary is call this multiple, 10% uh, of my salary is monthly variable component called MVC. So it's as good as part of my salary, 
But what company do, can do with this MVC is that they can activate to stop paving MVC when the business is, you know, severely impacted. Like for example, let's say COVID-19, that is, you know, industry, retail industry, that are badly impacted and they, they can take the opportunity to, to activate, to, to stop paving this MVC as well as AVC. AVC annual wearable components, what I see includes the annual wage supplement, the AWS in Singapore, and typical annual performance bonus and whatever, whatever kinds of annual incentive that is more commonly used by company as compared to MVC. Right. Well, and based on my understanding, while the MVC is pretty common, not many companies, at least in the private sector, apply MVC, right? Because some companies, in fact, some companies have this MVC mainly because of the union in consideration of NWC guidelines. And in fact, whenever there is a need to cut salary, to cut their salary, to reduce, to do a, and in fact, when there is a need to do a pay cut, like for example, COVID last year, companies without MVC, they will still do a pay cut accordingly and might be more or less than 10%, depends on the situation. And employees will still be able to understand so long as proper communication has been done because the ultimate, because the, because the, the employees will be, in fact, if there's a need to cut the salary, like due to COVID-19 last year, companies without the MVC will still be able to cut the employee salary accordingly, being more or less than 10%, because employees will be able to understand so long as there is a proper communication to be done. At the end of the day, the ultimate objective is to improve their job security, and I'm sure that employees will be able to understand. And quoting an example of a, com a retail company with a Quoting an example of a retail company with MVC, they have MVC of this 10%, but however, they are, although their business is very impacted last year due to COVID, they do not actually activate this 10% MVC. In fact, they are asked everyone to be on unpaid leave on Friday, right? And to them, they made this decision because they think that it's a more positive messaging to the employee. And in fact, one out of five working days is actually 20% off from their payroll, 20% saving from their payroll. And quoting another company without MVC as well, they are in professional services. They are, again, they are able to cut more than 10% of the salary for their payroll costs. And then they communicated properly to their employees. And I was surprised they do not face any attrition issue because of that and that successfully reinstate the salary after a few months when the outbreak is stabilized. And I do think that, I do think that, I personally think that this MVC is not, is not uh, widely implemented by companies because they're lacking of incentive, lacking of motivation to do so. Because by having MVC, firstly, they they still need to be, we still need to be pay CPF for MVC. And at the same time, for retrenchment package for the severance pay, they will still need to consider this MVC as, as well. Unlike other, unlike other countries like Indonesia, they have this flexi-din. Unlike other countries like Indonesia or Brazil, whereby they have these flexible components, 
but their government allowed either a lower tax rate of their payroll or they, their employer would not need to pay the pension fund for the flexible component. So I personally think that in order for company to to be more incent to be more motivated to in order for companies to be more motivated to introduce this MBC, I think probably a lot some more incentive had to be introduced by Singapore government. But based on your conversation and thank you for sharing your piece on that, I think the MVC may also firstly come back to what we discussed earlier in the podcast where there isn't a one-size-fit-all solution. But this MVC thing appears to be a one-size or attempt to be a one-size-fit-all, which obviously doesn't work lah, because it hinges right. on the fact that, okay, a, a maximum of 10% cut is all you need to tie through any, any kind of situation. But for many companies, in fact, 10% not enough. I mean, you look at SIA. I think they need to cut ninety mm, percent, mm. so that would be a huge differentiation. And I do think if you have to communicate across to an employee, okay, a four days work week, I think they also feel better, even though it may not arise to them immediately that eh, four days work week means a twenty percent cut. So the communi- the right communication seems to work better in that situation. And in my when I was doing recruitment and within a company, we actually do have MVC. We constantly get questions from interested candidate who wants to join us what is this mvc component and when we explain you can see some of the you can see the facial expression now you know they are not exactly positive about it and to what you mentioned lastly about indonesia i think if we were to go that way even worse (laughs) because you they would naturally lose out on cpf contribution so it's up to individual companies for them to consider whether they want to go through something like this to pre-structure a potential pay cut to make it easier for your people to understand or when shit hits the fan, you know, okay, there'll be this 10% component we have to switch off. Or of course, when things happen, then you just communicate with them better. We have to type through this, what we need to do. So it's a four days work week, three days work week or whatever. So to to move on to the next and the last segment, which is to help us better understand uh, more on Talent X specifically, because you did mention earlier on there is this AI machine learning angle that is part of your entire platform. How does that actually help in common band? And how does that actually help in making in, in helping people to make better decisions? Since you already have data, how would that AI ML angle help to provide you with that unfair advantage? Yep. So AI ML, right, will be able to help CMB by providing an anchor like like you mentioned the data-driven decision-making approach by providing actionable insights that is from a series of historical data as well as a predictive data based on... So, so, so a very good question. So AI, AI and machine learning will be able to, you know, to put the data into a more uh, structured manner and they are able to identify a pattern of data to do a predictive analytics by removing the guesswork. So we'll be able to make a more data-driven decision-making approach and answer the question of management, question for employee with a more evidence-based response, right? And not only that, machine learning will, will also be, because of predictive analytics, AI machine learning will also be able to help coin band to be more proactive rather than a reactive manner. So like, for example, like, we do a review annually or the salary of the employee. And sometimes when at the point of time when we finish the reviewing, certain employee already tendered their resignation. 
So with the AI and predictive analytics, we are able to jump into a certain certain fright risk, for example, to you know to do some proactive increment rather than an annual routine increment. So that will make us to be more relevant in future work. Got it. And it's really interesting and helpful for companies to know that when it comes to comment band salary structure, they would be able to get a lot more support uh, from a technology front, from enablers like yourself to help them make better decisions and of course to reach better outcome. So lastly, before we end it off, for people who's interested to find out more about talentx.ai, where can they go to? Yep. Uh, so for companies who are interested in talentx.ai, uh, very easy. You just click. Uh, you just type in Google talentx.ai. Cy, lovely having you on the show to help us better understand about compensation and benefit, as well as offer management, as well as your insights and your opinions on all the surrounding matters. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.